Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Vision Sunday, Vision Sunday. I know I look around and I see people who joined our church in March, April, since Easter. You've never experienced one of these, but, but they're really near and dear to my heart. For the last six years, I've taken time away to ask God one question. And that is, God, where do you have us as a church next year? I believe that God knows all things. He knows where we're going. He knows where you're going. He knows the year you're going to have before you have it. How many people would wish they'd get a peek at that book, at that chapter? What's coming, Lord? Get me ready. Well, I felt like he spoke to me, and I want to share that with you. I'm making a big deal. Every July, my family and I go away for sabbatical, and we do, do some vacation stuff. But I also take about a week, and I commit it to praying and fasting asking the Lord for this, this direction, this answer, usually comes in the form of a phrase or a word or a theme. And vision is important. I'm in my Bible reading plan right now, and I'm learning about this guy named Abraham, who is the father of our faith. And really cool thing about Abraham's story is that God promises him that he's going to have more descendants than there are stars in the sky. That's a lot of kids. Like, I got two, that's enough. But more than stars in the sky, and that his descendants are going to bless, become a blessing to all the nations in the world. The only problem is Abraham's pushing 100 years old, and he still doesn't have that kid of the promise. Finally gets his kid over 100 years old, but the whole time he's living his life, he's doubting, but he's also trusting. And, and it came not as a surprise to me as I was going through my Bible reading plan that God gave him the vision and then, before the end of his life, gives him that same vision, catch this, seven different times. God gave him the same picture of the same future seven times. Why? Because it wasn't enough to hear it once. Because God can tell you one thing, then life will happen. And then you'll doubt if God said what you thought he said. So what we need in our life is constant vision that pushes us and propels us to a better place that we know God has for us in our life. I want to tell you what God told Abraham seven different times. And this is what God told Abraham that I'm telling you. Don't settle. Don't stop. Life can get better. There is more. Keep believing. Keep moving forward. Your last year was not the worst year of your life. It's not the best year of your life. The best year of your life are still ahead. The greatest things that you're going to experience in your life are still ahead. I don't know what divorces you went through, what deaths you had, but I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, there is more. There is more. God has got something on the edge of that, and that's vision. And without that, it's very easy to become discouraged, to get stuck, to not move forward. How important is vision? This is what Proverbs says, Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people what? Perish. Now, I know that's not a word that you use often. It's not a word that you find in your everyday vocabulary. And to be quite honest, it's a pretty extreme of a word to use this early in the year. <laughs> this is not the theme, by the way. The vision for Vision Sunday is not perish. And so you don't have to be too afraid. But I do think God used this word to really bring home some like some really important truths. And so to understand it and not become overwhelmed by it, you have to understand the biblical motif of journey. There is a theme throughout the Bible, and it is a theme of journey. It's partly the reason why we named the church Journey. 
If you look at Abraham's life, this was a man who was on a journey to the promised land. He gets there, but then there's a famine and his descendants have to leave there, go to Egypt where they spend 400 years as slaves, then start a journey through the desert and the wilderness back to the promised land. People disobey God. They end up as exiles in Babylon and then spend another 70 to 100 years on a journey back to the promised land. Even Jesus, did you know? Jesus, by his own admission, was homeless. In the New Testament, he says that foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no way to lay his head. He wanted to live life on a journey to keep the theme going because life is a journey. Contrary to popular belief that life is the destination. Life is not the destination. You don't win at life when, 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 you, when you have kids. You don't win at life when you get the job. You don't win at life. life is not the thing we get to. Life is the thing we get through to get to the real reward, to get to the real destination. So, so life is the journey. Life is a journey. But if life is a journey, now it makes sense when he says perish, vision. Because if life is a journey, but we don't know where we're going, then you perish. If you don't know where you're going in life, you're either gonna experience two types of feelings. And you can nod at me, you can say amen if you've ever felt one of these two feelings. If you've ever asked yourself this question, if you've ever felt lost in life. I see a lot of people nodding. If you've ever asked yourself this question, what's it all for? Why am I here? What is the reason or the purpose? That's that lost feeling. The other feeling you'll feel if you lose vision is not the lost feeling, but the stuck feeling. Not what's it all for, but you might tell yourself this, I feel like I've been here before. I feel like I was dealing with this in middle school and I'm still dealing with this now at 20. I feel like I had overcame this when I was 20, but now I'm 40. I thought I had this at 30, now I'm 50. I feel like I'm walking in circles. And when you get there, you'll either do one of two things. When you feel lost or you feel stuck, most people, you know what most people do? They blow up their whole life. Move to another country. Shave their head. Get a face tattoo. Something crazy. Cheat on their spouse. Leave the church. What they're doing is they're looking for a reset button on life. I feel lost, I feel stuck, so I'm gonna do something crazy. Blah! Or in the most extreme version, I don't know what that blah was, I apologize. Um, or in the most extreme version, listen, they might not blow up their life, but some have decided to end their life. That could get really scary too. And I want to just encourage you, you don't have to end it. You don't got to blow it up. You know what your life needs? Your life needs a vision. You need to be able to answer this question. Where do I want to be? In 2023, where do I want to be? 2022 was 2022. For some of us, it was great. For others, it was garbage. But in 2023, if you want vision, the question you need to answer is, where do I want to be? And I want to start here because this is probably the part of the question that we feel like we can answer the easiest. Most people feel like they got this. I think I know where I want to be. I want to be happy. I want my relationships to be healthy. I want to be with more money. <laughs> I want, some of us real humble, real low. I just want health insurance, dude. I just want health insurance. Just keep it, keep it simple, you know? But here's the problem, and I hate to come for you so early in the year and kind of challenge you, but you're ready for the, the problem behind what you want to be? You've been wanting to be there for the last couple years. And the reason why we are still circling the same wagons is because we only have half 
of the formula for vision. Most people can tell you what they want. Few people can tell you how they're going to get there. Vision requires, if you're taking notes, not just goals. Vision requires goals and a plan. You need a plan. My, my kids, the other day, it was the day after Christmas. And the day after Christmas at our house is like a whole other holiday. I don't know if it's like that at your house, but because Christmas Eve, they, they open up presents from um, Liz's side of the family. Christmas morning, they open up mom and dad's presents. Christmas afternoon, they open up presents from my side of the family. We have three Christmases in a day and a half. So by the time they get home, it's Christmas night, and they haven't played with any of their toys. So the day after Christmas is like the day they go in with all of their toys. So we're waking up the day after Christmas, and I look at them, and I say, all right, guys, what's the plan? And Zane looked at me, he said, the plan is fun. <laughs> I said, nah, man, what's the plan? He says, the plan is to have fun. That's the plan. I said, I said no, no, fun is the goal. What's the plan? Because I know what will happen, because it happened to me as a kid. You will spend all day playing the one video game you got, and then you will leave the eight boxes that are awesome toys. You won't play with them. And then when school comes back and Christmas break is over, you're going to be all like, oh, my Christmas break was terrible. I didn't have a lot of time to play with my game. You wasted all your time playing one game because you did not have a plan. Many people have goals. Few people have plans. This is why we got to finish the Bible verse. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Ready? But happy is he who keeps the law. God says, not only do I provide vision, but I also provide a plan. I got a plan to accomplish the vision. You got a plan. God honors plans. Proverbs 16, 9 says, the heart of a man plans. Plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And I can hear your thoughts right now. I hear you. I hear you. You're like, that's why I don't plan. What's the point of planning and then God does something else? Do not dress up the fear of failure as faith in the Father. The real reason why you and I don't plan is because we are afraid that our plans will fail. So we lean on faith as a crutch. To be like, well, let God do what God does. Is it God's will? No, bro, that's not faith. That's not planning. Better to have a plan that God messes up than to mess up because there was no plan. Gotta have a plan. You gotta have a vision and you gotta have a plan. I got a vision for my body at 50 and 60 years old. And the vision is me being 50 and 60 and Pastor Liz not being able to keep her hands off me. That's the vision. Pay my back hurts too. Stop, stop, just four times already, chill, it's the vision. But that vision requires a plan. That's why I eat a certain way six days a week. God bless his cheat day, amen. That's why I exercise a certain way. That's the plan. I have a vision for my ministry, and my vision for ministry is I want to pastor the same church for 35 years. So I got six in, so 29 more to go. I love it. I love this. I want to do this 35 years. That's my, that's my vision. But because that's my vision, I have a plan for my mental health. And that's to live in my social media time. Because I can't stay connected in this church if I keep worrying about what other churches are doing. If I keep watching other pastors preaching clips, feeling like my preaching clips stink. If I keep reading everybody's comments, 
on my preaching clips, which I think all y'all, they write nice stuff, but there's always those three people. <laughs> you know who you are. You go here. Find another church if you don't like it. <laughs> that vision requires a plan. What's your plan? You got a vision for your health? Show me the diet. Show me the exercise plan. And the plan can't just be go to the gym. That's a goal. Unless you're going to be that person that shows up to the gym and be like, well, I'm here. What do we, what do, we do now? Let's jump on that walking thing. <laughs> and it's like, it's not sound bad. That's fine. But you mixed up goals and plans. Yeah, I got a vision for not being financially strapped anymore. Also, show me the budget. Because that's your plan. I got a vision for getting closer to God. That's great. What's your Bible reading plan? What's your prayer plan? What are you fasting for the next 21 days? What's the plan? Vision requires goals and plans. And vice versa, and maybe even more importantly, goals and plans require vision. If you're not careful, and I'll just, I'll just use, I'll pick on married people, and then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll broaden it out. We'll pick on everyone, but married people, if, if, if you're not careful, single people, let me help you. Single people, if you're not careful, because with some married people, us, what we did was we got married because getting married was the goal. But now our marriage is suffering because in the process of achieving the goal of getting married, we lost the vision for our marriage. Like, we were single and lonely, so we're like, I want somebody to stand next to me. I want somebody who will agree to live with me. I want to get to the altar. But that's not a vision. That's a goal. And if all you have in marriage is a goal, you will leave the altar with two rings and not one reason. And you won't know why you got married, only that you got married. And because there is no vision, your marriage perishes. So being lonely was kind of the vision, but that wasn't. That was just trying to get a goal, not here. You need a vision. What's a vision? Well, you know what? I want to have some kids so that we can pass on this Jesus story to the next generation and keep it going. Well, we don't plan on having kids. That's okay. Maybe the vision then is to make Jesus the center of your marriage so you can be an example to younger couples that come after that God can sustain a marriage. Maybe the vision is I want to take the love and loyalty that Jesus poured into my heart and pour it into someone else. That's vision. You got to see yourself 50 years wedding anniversary on a little stroller walking, sharing stories with each other. You need vision or else you'll lose it. For all the people who are starting businesses, go on with your bad self. Start your business. But do you have a goal or a vision? Because you can start a business and that be the goal and making a milli be the goal. But if you don't have a vision for the milli, you're going to have a milli in your bank account and anti-depression medicines in your medicine cabinet and anti-anxiety medication in your medicine cabinet. Not that those things are bad, but because you had a goal with no vision, what was the money for? Whose life did you want to impact? What hospitals did you want to build? What campuses and churches did you want to plant? What women and men did you want to help? What kids did you want to send to college? You need vision. Journey youth, let me help you out. Teenagers, let me help you out. Before you go to college, make sure that a college degree is not just a goal, but a part of a vision. 
because if it's just a goal, you're going to be what every 24-year-old who graduated college, every 22-year-old who graduated college is. They walk across the th- stage, mom and dad are wilding out when they say your name, embarrassing you. You grab the paper, the, 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 the thing with the thing, and then you, you move, and then you get off, and you're going to have a piece of paper, and the moment you step off that stage, you're going to be lost. Because your whole teenage, young adult years, you were consumed by a goal with no vision. Now you got $40,000 worth of debt, a piece of paper on the wall, and you're lost and stuck. You had a goal, but no vision. You need vision. And vision can be tough, but you need it. Whatever's not moving forward, here's what I say about vision. Whatever's not moving forward is either stuck, going backwards, or dead. We need it. We need it. You've got to move forward. Some of us have been coming to church for a year already. That's awesome. Can I just celebrate that really quickly? I, 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 wanna, I, wanna, I want a certain type of person to clap today. If you started coming to Journey Church in 2022, and you're still here in 2023, will you just put your hands together for yourself right now? Look at how many people. Come on. I celebrate you. I celebrate you. You had a goal of coming to church. Amen. Ready? Now what's the vision for your relationship with God? I want to get in a small group. I want to lead a small group. I want a vision of becoming a minister. I have a vision of, of taking what God puts in my heart and sharing it with all the people in my workplace. I have a vision of seeing my sons and my daughters come to church. I have a vision because if we're not moving forward in our faith, we're either going backwards, stuck, or dead in it. Got to move forward. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting always moving forward. My friend Charlie, we had a staff chapel on Monday and we asked what we were excited about. He said, I'm excited about whatever Pastor JJ's crazy idea is come June. Because <laughs> every year with our staff, I always share one big idea like that scares everybody. And honestly, it's very exhausting being a part of our staff because you're like, thanks for this big idea, but we haven't finished the last big idea. But the reason why we keep doing that is because if you're now moving forward, if you're not moving forward, which is why we won't stop planning campuses and we won't stop preaching and we won't stop giving away money and we won't stop recording songs and we won't stop writing uh, websites and books and pages. We have to move forward. The exhaustion is a part of the design because realizing a vision requires God. And when a vision is exhausting, you rely on him for the strength to accomplish it. First off, it requires God. Make sure that your vision comes from him. Jeremiah 29 verse 10 says, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. It's not on the screen behind me, but I like the way he worded that. Plans I got. (laughs) If there were parentheses in that verse, he'd be like, because I know you got plans. But I just want you to know, my plans are better than your plans. (laughs) So make sure your plan comes from him. The worst thing you can do in life is spend your whole life trying to chase a bus, get on the bus, to only realize you're on the wrong bus. Don't do that. Lord, what would you have for me? Where do you want me to go? But then it should be so big. I love what someone once said. They said, dream a dream so big that unless God intervenes, it will fail. Dream that big that you absolutely need God to accomplish it, which leads us to the vision phrase for 2023. It comes out of that spirit, out of that place of, I can't do this by myself. And it really comes out of a a, a personal place that I have been in lately. It's been six years 
That might not seem like a long time. I, 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 for me, it's, I can't remember life before being a pastor. It just feels like, it's awesome. It feels like forever as well. And I enjoy it. I'm not playing the best job in the entire world. When I look back at what God has done in the last six years, I'm dumbfounded. Thousands of people making decisions to come to Christ. Over 2,000 people meeting on Sunday mornings. We just recorded three songs that are gonna be on Spotify and iTunes and all the other places that do music, which is awesome. We're about to be in our third campus in East Orlando. We've given away hundreds of thousands of dollars to charities and nonprofits. When I look back at that, I'm inspired, I'm, I'm, I'm moved, but also I'm like, I'm tired. And I just gotta tell you something, and this is gonna scare some people, but at the end of six years, I gotta just say this and, and reserve your judgment towards the end of it. I feel like I've given everything I have and I have come to the end. I'm not resigning. <laughs> what I mean to say, I feel like I've come to the end of myself. Like the end of all that I can give. Like guys, I love preaching, but I think you've heard all the stories. <laughs> it's been six years. I can't start adding Bible chapters to this thing. It was settled. I know you love the illustrations. I don't got no more. I ran out of illustrations. One day you're gonna see me get desperate. I'm gonna preach with like a table, be like, Jesus is like a table. Just look around, talk about stuff, yo, he's 30. See through. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a word. It's a word. I'm out of creativity. I'm out of strength. I'm out of intelligence. I've never led an organization this big. I'm out of my depth. I am absolutely done. And God told me that there were people at church who felt the same way. That they've each arrived at different places in their life where they feel like, I'm done. I'm at the end. I've tried therapy. I've tried medicine. I've tried church. I've tried, I've tried relationships. I've tried money. And it was all good and it helped in that moment, but I don't know how long I can keep it. I have come to the end and I don't know what to do next. And I've got a word from God for you. And when I shared those feelings to the Lord and I felt your feelings, I felt like God looked back on us all collectively and he said, Good. Finally, I've been waiting for you to come to the end of you because the end of you is the beginning of me. Oh, I've been waiting for you. See, your problem was you're too smart, you're too creative, you're too strategic, you're too charismatic, you're too influential. You're too gritty. You've been fighting for so long and you've been doing it for so long by yourself. There was no space for me in the perfection of you. Now that you finally embraced your limitations as a human being, I can step in and expand the natural to the supernatural. I can complete what you cannot complete on your own. You've been asking, this is what I felt the Lord pressed me. He said, you've been asking the wrong question because when humans get to the end, we ask what's next. And God said, I'm gonna flip the question in 2023 because you've been asking the wrong one. You've been asking what's next and in the process of asking what's next, you've forgotten what's first. 
And God said, in 2023, we're going to flip the question. The question that we pose life will not be what's next. It will be what's first. And the answer to that is our vision for 2023. Because in 2023, I see a church that prays first. That's okay. That was a slow clap. I'll take it. That was eight people that started, y'all. Better than the nine o'clock service. We have five people clap. Everybody else still quiet. I know it's not exciting. Last year, when we had Into the Cloud as the vision, everybody was pumped. We're going into the cloud. Everybody was like, yeah, let's go get cloudy up in here. Woo! Into the cloud. You know? I know prayer is not popular. I know prayer is not exciting. I know we're not launching another campus or doing a, writing books or anything like that. I, in fact, when God gave me this vision, here's what else I, I felt impressed in my heart. This might not be the year our church grows the most. Why? Because nobody gets pumped about prayer. There are no prayer parades. There are no prayer parties. No prayer services, not prayer parties. And, and listen, last year we were the fastest growing church in Florida, but I just felt like, Lord, this might not be the year. I'm not prophesying that. I'm just preparing for that. Where your church grows the most. But here's what I know. That although this might not be the year, our church grows the most. This will be the year your relationship with God grows the most. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. And this year, I am less concerned with filling seats and more concerned with filling hearts. And I just believe that whatever relationship you've had with God up until this point, if you've been following him for eight months or you've been following him for 28 years, that there is another level of connection that is waiting for you on the other side of prayer. Pray first. Now, pray first is significant because some of us pray, we just don't pray first. For a lot of us, prayer is like the salt and life is like the steak. We each have something at the center of our life. It could be your man or you don't got a man. You got like a, 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 an imaginary steak or you got kids, or you got money, and this is what we do, ready? We take Jesus, we make the thing in life the stake, and we say, Jesus, will you make that better? Jesus, make my money situation better. Come on, Jesus, sprinkle a little Jesus on that. Jesus, will you make my health better? Sprinkle a little Jesus on that health. Jesus, will you make my, my, my kids better? Sprinkle up, my kids need Jesus. Put some Jesus on my kids, Lord. Jesus, will you make my job better? Put some, and, G, and I felt like God told me to tell you, we gotta flip the formula. I am not the salt. It's time to make me the stake of your life, the center of your life, and I will add to your life all the things that make life better. As long as you put me at the center of your plate, then I'll add the kids, then I'll add the spouse, then I'll add the joy, then I'll add the job. I'll add it, I'll add it. You can be the center. Pray first, here's my first point, pray first, not second. Pray first, not second, why? Because some things don't work when they're in the wrong order. Hmm, hmm, I'll prove it. Put your pants on first and your underwear on second. <laughs> Try that. You'll get no support. <laughs> Something's wrong with my underwear, no. The underwear's fine. 
The pants are fine, weirdo. What's wrong is the order. Uh, we're fasting in our house. I'm, we're not like comparing who's fast is more important or better or whatever. But in my house, we're fasting TV and video games, which is a big deal for nine and 10 year olds like I have. And, uh, but in replace of that, we've been doing board games because we got to have fun somehow. Has anybody ever played this game before? Gestures? Oh, yeah, gestures. It's, if you haven't played before, it's very, pay so attention. It's like uh, charades. You press the little orange thing, and then you take these cards, and these cards have words on them, like time out, you know, and then so you put it here, and then when you put it, my job as the charades person is I gotta act out the word so that you can guess what it means before the timer drops. Once I click that timer, then a thing starts here. Did we break it? Another. There we go. I promise it works for all the other services. Ma'am, you hear it? Timer's going. So we might have to act it out. And you got to guess it before it falls down. And if you guess it right, then I take it before it falls. And then my team guesses the points. And so that's how it works. You want to play for the last two? Yeah. All right. Let's go. I love my church. So we were playing this game with the boys, and uh, Justice pulled it out. He wanted to play, and he was so mad. He starts waking me up from my nap, and he's all like, Dad, gestures is broken. I'm like, it's not broken. You're broken. Gestures is fine. I played yesterday. It's very No, it's broken. I'm like, show me what you mean is broken. He's like, I'll show you. Watch. I'm like, bro, it's not broken. You're broken. If you had done it first, then put the thing. It's not broken. You had it in the. Some of you are crying out to your father that it's broken. The Bible, Lord, is broken. It's broken. I've been doing the things in the Bible that you said to be doing, and it's not working. It's broken. Uh-uh. You got the Bible in the wrong order. It's a part of your life, but it's not first in your life. Prayer, I'm praying, but prayer is not working. Prayer works when prayer is put in the right order in your life. There are some things that don't work when you don't have them in the right order. Look at Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. His where? His what? Hometown, his hometown, sorry. His hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked, what's the wisdom that he's been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? He made my table. He made my chair. Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. And look at verse 5. He could not do any miracles. Not didn't want to. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Now, they all grew up with Jesus. 
so they had a relationship with him. <gasps> it's not enough to have a relationship with Jesus. That relationship has to be in the right. They knew Jesus as the son of Mary, but they had not met Jesus, the son of God. They had not met Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. As long as he's a carpenter, then his power will be lost on us. But when he becomes the king, mm, then all of a sudden his power is released on us. We got to put Jesus in the right order in our lives. Jesus is not broken. We just got to put him first. Pray first, not second, because God is first. I'm going to skip this point because I'm going to keep moving. And listen, and pray first, not second, because what's first becomes the filter for what's next. Worship team, you can come up now. What's first becomes the filter for what's next. You know, sometimes, um, I love sports. Anybody love sports? I love sports, and, uh, but it's tough being a sports fan if you live on the East Coast. Because sometimes some games be starting at like 10.30 at night. And like, I love sports, but I also love sleep. I'm not staying up until 10.30 to watch this game start, get, get in it, and not be over until one in the morning. I'm not doing that. So sometimes I wake up in the morning, and the first thing I'll do when I wake up is I'll open up my ESPN app to see if my team won the game. And it's amazing, because when I wake up, and the first thing I do is check my ESPN app, and my team won, my prayer time is amazing. My prayer time is powerful when my team wins. When I see that they won the game, I close it, I get into God's presence, and I'm like, you are a victor. You are undefeated. Oh, Lord, I thought the enemy had me, but like, but there was 30 seconds left on the clock, and just like he shot at the last moment, that was what you did in my life, Lord. You came in on the clutch, on the bus. You are so clutch, Jesus. Clutch, Jesus. Yes, Lord. LeBron ain't the king. You the king. You the king. I'm a witness. Yes. It's amazing. Best prayer times. But on the other hand, when my team loses and they get eliminated from the playoffs and they get beaten by the wackest team in the league, my prayer life sucks in that moment. When I get into God's presence afterwards, I'm like, you're good, God. But are you really? God, you never lose except last night. Lord, I put my hope in you, but I also put my hope in that team and they let me down and disappointed me. What am I feeling? I'm feeling the effect of first. I'm feeling the effect of first. Whatever you put first becomes the filter for what's next. But if I pray first and then I open up the ESPN app, all of a sudden it's just a game. And I already won. So I'm good. When you pray first and then hit traffic, you hit traffic different. You're like, Lord, I'm fighting for a position here, but not in heaven. Mm-hmm. I know you got me, Lord. I know you got me, Lord. Yes, Lord. When someone cuts you off in traffic, you pray for that person. They cut you off, you're like, Father, I just bless them in the name of Jesus right now, Lord. They obviously got somewhere to go. I ask that you bless them, Lord. I pray for their tires. I pray for their gas. I pray for their oil. Keep them safe. Oil, that's what I need. Shout out but right now, Lord. Just keep them so I just trust you, Lord. When your boss gets short with you or puts more on your docket for that day than you were expecting, you can approach it with a different attitude because you prayed first and then you can quote the Bible that says, I don't work unto man, but I work unto the Lord and everything that I do, I do unto him and I honor him through my work. 
Your attitude changes based on what comes first. I don't know what 2023 has for you, but if you jump on this pray first train, I promise you the filter of 2023 will be through God's goodness, God's grace, God's love, God's mercy. If you become a pray first person, here's my last point and we'll close here. I told you pray first, not second. Pray first, not last. Pray first, not last. It's the last thing I want to tell you. Abraham Lincoln was quoted as saying these famous words. I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. I love that, Abe. That's a good one. That's right up there with the Gettysburg. Good job, bro. I only got one problem. If the only time you pray is when you get on your knees, then how can you ever walk with Christ? How can you ever run with him? How can you ever climb with him? This is the difference between reactive prayer and proactive prayer. Many of us, the only time we pray is when we are reacting to what is happening in our life. Something terrible happens, and then we, Lord, would you please? Here's how it is in Psalms. Because reacting, reactive prayer has its power, it has its place, but it also has its limits. Look at verse 34, Psalm 78, it's on the screen. This is God. When God slew them, when he slayed them, then they sought him and they returned and sought earnestly for God then they remembered that God was their rock yeah they remembered when did they remember when he slayed them reactive prayer has a place when they, I'm grateful for reactive prayer there are a lot of people who are at church today because they are reacting to something that happened at the end of 2022 it has a place it brings you to the Lord but you can't just live your whole Christianity there because if your prayer life is dependent on the circumstance, then your prayer life is only circumstance deep. Look at verse 36 right after this. Even though they said that, Lord, I'm changing. Lord, I'm different. Nevertheless, they flattered him with their mouth, but they lied to him with their tongue, for their heart was not steadfast with him. When things were going bad, they were there. They were praying and they were, and you've been there. I'll never do it again, Lord. If you, Lord, if you can make this pregnancy test negative, Lord. Jesus, I ain't ready, Lord. I ain't ready. If I could just get the leg one line, not the two line, but the one line, Lord, I will never do that again. Father, if you just give me this one thing, I'll stop sharing my Netflix passwords, Lord. If you just, I promise I'll be better. I'll be different. God does it. He changes your circumstance. But then six months later, we find ourselves in the same situation because the prayer changed our circumstance, but it didn't change. Reactive prayer will change your circumstance. Proactive prayer will change your heart. Are you ready? We gotta stop only praying when the world is burning. Because then God won't shut off the fires, but we'll be back in it later again. But when you just pray because you wanna pray, all of a sudden, we're not distracted of the dilemma long enough for God to work on ours. And that's what he wants to work on. But God is gracious and God is compassionate. Verse 38, but he being full of compassion, he forgave their iniquity, did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath for he remembered that they were but a flesh, a breath that passes away. Let me translate. God said, if all you want from me is to be a rescuer, I'll do that. If all you want from me is to be a fireman, to put out the fires in life, I'll do that. If all you want from me is to be 
a savior. I'll do that because I'd rather have some of you than none of you. But if all you want from me is to be a rescuer, you are missing out because I can be so much more than the one who just gets you out of trouble. I can, I can, I can be so much more than the one who just saves you. I can sanctify you. I can empower you. I can release you. I can redeem you. I can fill you. I can build you. Let me do all the things I want to do in your life. Here's the last verse of that chapter. Yes, again and again, they tempted God. They, oh, you never heard this before. This is going to mess with your theology. They limited the Holy One of Israel. Believe it or not, you can actually limit the power of God in your life. Why did they limit him? Because they did not remember just how awesome he could be. They only came to him when things were going bad, and but God is over there wanting to build them up beyond the bad times. Listen, reactive prayer will get you out the mess, but proactive prayer will put you on the mountain. Let me say it another way. Reactive prayer responds to the needs of the present, but proactive prayer responds to a, a vision for the future. I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I am tired of living a struggling, surviving version of Christianity. I don't want to just make it anymore. I don't want to just get by anymore. There was a time when I just wanted to get to heaven, but today I'm looking for the mansion. I'm looking for something bigger. I'm looking for something better. Not because I'll need it or want it, but because I know that that's what God created me for and that's what God created you for. And you need to stop settling for an okay average life and an okay average relationship with God and step into absolutely all of the greatness, all of the goodness, all of the power. Do not limit him, but remember that he is just more. He's a savior, and if he was just that, that would be enough, but he's more than a savior. He's a provider. He's a healer. He's a victor. He's a redeemer. He's a shepherd. He's peace. He's there. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's father. He's spouse. He's the groomsman. I'm the bride. He can be everything in my life that I needed to be. Stop exchanging the Jesus that saves you for the Jesus that sanctifies you and delivers you and builds you and changes you. There's more, there's more, there's more. All over this church, would you stand as I close? I'm trying to tell you there's more and we're going to discover it when we pray first, when we put God first. So we're going to become a pray first church. Ready? That's the, that's the vision. Here's the plan. I'm going to tell you what we're doing. I'm going to give you something for free. So now I got everybody's attention and then you can go. Here's, here's the plan. How are we going to get there? How are we going to become pray first? How are we going to make your relationship with God better than ever? What are we doing in 2023? First off, we're going to teach you how to pray. We're going to teach you how to pray. I think the reason why people don't pray is because they don't know how. And if someone could teach them, I think that they would do it. And they would do it so great. It's so much easier than you think. This whole month, we're preaching on prayer. In February, we're going to do a relationship series because we always do that in February. I love sex and marriage series. So most popular people love it. But in March, guess what the sermon series is about in March? Prayer. Guess what I'm preaching about on Easter? I already got the message. Prayer. I'm going to preach on prayer so often this year. I know it's not going to be popular, but I'm going to preach on it in different ways, in different styles. You will leave church in 2023 knowing how to talk to God. I promise you that. In addition, we're going to start in February a small group that's going to happen every semester. A pray first small group, and we're never going to stop it. 
It's based on a book by Chris Hodges called Praise First. He's a mentor of mine. I love this book. Been going through it already. Teaches you step by step how to pray. They we had books for sale in the first service. The whole first service sold bought them out. So we got more coming next week, and you can get them next week, or you can just go on Amazon. They're on Amazon. You can buy them there. We don't make any money off of them. So this is for you. It's a tool for you. We've only got 20 Pray First small groups at this location, and so if you're in this area and you want to get in one, you're gonna have to sign up quick for them. They're only six weeks, but they happen in spring, summer, and fall. You're going to get around people who are wanting to learn how to pray. If you want to lead a Pray First group, we'll welcome you as well. Also, not only are we going to teach you how to pray, we're going to pray. A good leader doesn't just cast vision. If I'm going to be a really good leader, i got to get you to buy into it. I want to see you, please. I'm just, I want to see you here tomorrow at 7 a.m. if you can. Hey, if you got work, if you got kids, I get that. Family comes first, your job comes first, I get all that. But if you just go and sleep, sleep here. <laughs> get some Jesus on, you have the best dreams ever. Sleep in God's presence, you come here. Just come here if you can make it. I know you got school drop-off lines and all that, but we're going to pray, 21 days of prayer, and this is the biggest announcement. Huge, huge announcement I'm about to make. We are six years late on this, but I'm better late than never. When 21 days of prayer and fasting is over, that's usually it. We, we close it end, then we do it again in August. But after our last day of prayer in January, starting this year, okay, and ending when Jesus comes back, from now on at Journey Church, every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. is going to be a prayer service at our church every Saturday for an hour. <laughs> I get it. The people who know prayer are like, yeah! Everybody else is like, I don't... That's cool, that's cool. At the end of 2023, though, it's going to be different. And here's the last thing. It's a gift from us to you. Everybody gets one. If you leave here in the lobby or at the tent, we made some Pray First wristbands that you can get, put on your wrist. And it's just a reminder that no matter what you go through in your 2023, when things get difficult, now what do you do next? What do I do first? When you get a, a diagnosis, before you go to the doctor for the test, pray first. Before you get in the car to drop off your kid at school, before you drop your kid off at school, pray first. Before you check in with your boss, pray first. Before you go on that date with your wife, pray first. Before you have family game night, pray first. It doesn't have to be a long prayer, but we're going to pray. We're going to make God the center and the focus of our life. And I don't know what he's going to do in this church, but I'm, I'm expecting a move of God like never before to happen when we put God first in our life. Are you with me, Journey Church? Ready to pray? But let's close with two prayers. I want to pray for all those people who are ready to take that next step, who are ready to go to that next level of relationship with God. If that's you and you're ready to pray first, to put God in His place with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to invite you to lift up both hands to heaven for just a moment and just tell the Lord right now, I'm ready. I'm ready to put you first in my life. I want my relationship with you, God, to grow like never before. Father, you see every hand that is raised. You see every eye that is closed, every heart that is leaned in. I pray that you meet them, and I pray that you fill them, and I pray that you just let your, your power and your presence just completely, Lord, take them in this moment and begin to light up the embers of their heart, begin to turn on the lights of their soul. I pray that in this moment, something would begin to awaken them, some sort of personal spiritual revival that says, Lord, I want to put you back at the center of my life. I'm sorry for making you the salt. Uh, today I'm making you the steak and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on you and I'm going to lean into you. And 2023 will be the year I learn to pray with 
eyes closed and head bowed. One more prayer. If you don't have a relationship with God and you're here today for a reactive reason, you stepped into church because your 2022 was difficult and your 2023 said, I need to get something right with God. I need to get my life in order. If that's you and you want to put Jesus first in your life, like you want to start fresh with Jesus. You didn't have a relationship with him before and you want one now. When I say three, I want to invite you to take a very bold step and that is to raise your right hand to the sky when I say three and I'm not going to ask you to come up. I'm just going to pray for you. If that's you and you want to start a new relationship with Jesus on three, lift your right hand high to the sky so that I can pray for you. One, two, three all over this building right now. Hands are going up all over the place. I see your hand over in the corner, in the back, in the middle, in the side. You can put your hand down. Everyone pray this prayer with me out loud, even those who didn't raise their hand so that we can support those who did. Father God, today I'll put you first. Forgive me for my past. Provide for me in my future. Be with me in my present. I have come to the end of myself. But I learned today that's where you begin. So Jesus, begin today in me. In your wonderful name I pray. Amen and amen. Will you give it up for the 13, 14 hands that were raised in that moment? We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.